This is my no-nonsense introduction to my inaugural podcast, which I'm doing for um, my sponsees and my fellowship. So this is a talk that I just gave this morning. It was at the um, One Step at a Time meeting in Al-Anon. Let's see, the date is August 24th. 2019 and it was their birthday meeting a little introduction to this is that it's a three speaker meeting I was the second speaker and uh, right before me was the Alateen and this is sort of important because I start recording and I'm still sort of blown away by her uh, her talk and she's 16 years old and um, she told a very moving uh, story. She's very nervous, very endearing, and um, about her uh, drug addicted mom, and you know the things that she had to go through, and um, and her mom's now in recovery, and her, you know, and her mom was there. So we all gave her a standing ovation, and then she sat down, and all the speakers were sitting up front, and uh, and then I was asked to to just come up to the podium and start speaking. And so, um, you know, uh, something that's relevant is, is that the young girl is, uh, immediately in front of me to my left in the first row. And then to my right, two rows back, um, in the first seat is her mom. And so they're like right there in front of me. So, and then I got to go into, um, my story, which was, or my part of the, uh, pro, uh, the, uh, whatever it's called, the program in terms of the event program, which was that I represented the double winner, uh, as in, uh, OA and Al-Anon. And I think this is a good, um, tape to, you know, start because it just kind of does a short version of my story and how, my OA and ACOA and Al-Anon all come together. All right, love you guys. Bye. Uh, means a lot to me because um, I'm ACOA. So um, and welcome. And uh, I'm just before I start my own story. Um, my mom has 13 years, and um, I wasn't speaking to her before, and I was like, I'm done. You know, I'm done with the hope. I'm done with whatever. And um, and uh, we have a relationship today. She does. She colors my hair for me, you know. And uh, and she knows that I come with AA, you know. She knows that it's like, this is why we're together, and it's amazing. So I'm just, I need to have a moment before. That's quite a transition before I come up here and just, you know. Um, so who's the timekeeper? Okay, can I do five five five? Can we do, you know, because. I um, also am of the Al-Anon variety of hyper-organized. And I also want to kind of do uh, my story a little bit differently. Uh, I'm really glad that you got to kind of do the what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. And um, I just kind of want to tell, I'm the double winner in here, so I kind of want to do something a little differently. And and I'm a double winner in that I have an eating disorder. And I asked Kyle, I said, when, you know, would you like to be our double winner? I said, well, I just want you to check and make sure, because a lot of times at these events, 
you know, it's a double winner. It's, it's the addict alcoholic who then comes into Al-Anon. So I wanted to make sure that everyone was okay with that, that that's not um, my, my story. So I'm, I only want to kind of touch a little bit lightly on why I'm asked to be here and what qualifies me. And then I kind of want to get into um, just some concepts that came into my mind. You know, when you get asked to speak, you start thinking. And I didn't think about telling my story. I thought about the thing, the this questions I ask myself or the phrases I use every day that are about my program. So I kind of want to do that. So... Um, I uh, have two alcoholic parents um, and, uh, and a drug addict alcoholic uh, brother who's currently in jail. He's 11 years younger than me, so I'm the oldest child, I'm the hero child, and I'm the lost child. Um, uh, 18, I'm like, I'm out of here. Uh, went to do life on my own, and I was graced in that um, I hit bottom very young in that um, the only thing I wanted when I left home was I wanted love. I wanted it in a way that I didn't understand how much I wanted it because the form of abuse that I grew up, yes, I had a bullying. He wasn't violent. He was posturing, you know, and there's a book called Angry and Controlling Men. Why does he do that? And it's, there it is. It's right there. And um, so I, I just, and then my mom was obsessed with my dad and they were, you know, so they're doing their crazy dance and I'm, and as long as I'm not bleeding and on fire and going to school and school's not kind, they think I'm fine. And I'm being rewarded for, you know, how smart I am. And, and anytime I ask for help, you know, it's like, well, you should know that, you know what I mean? Like, other people may need to ask for help, but you're really smart and you're really capable and you should know that. So basically my, their form of parenting was if you want to learn how to swim, throw her in the deep end and then yell at her. You know, watch her. And that under the guise of like, you can do it, you're capable, you know, we're over here. You know, literally I actually was in a pool one time as a little kid and actually you know, flipped over with the little tube and started to drown, and someone else had to pull me out. I mean, that's... So that's the kind of form of uh, parenting that I had to grow up with. So I really want to kind of highlight that as opposed to these violent scenes or whatever. I mean, it was there, but it was on the undercurrent. And the grace that I had was is that it, I fell in love, ended up in a crazy relationship, and and the relationship ended. So the one thing I wanted was to fall in love and have love, and I got it, and it, and it wasn't working. I couldn't, I was like, what the hell, I don't understand. And I was graced with a um, therapist who uh, started asking me questions about my family and alcoholism. I mean, I didn't know. I thought, you know, we were a middle-class family. We looked good, I went to a good school. I went to a special school, you know what I mean? Um, we had the cars, we had everything. And, and actually, if you, when she started talking to me, she said, how was your childhood? I said, it was fine. I mean, I actually said that. Now, I had, at 16, I was in a psych ward for taking sleeping pills, because I was like, I want out. But somehow that was my fault. You know, that was my fault. And so I took that on. And so when this therapist started 
just ask me, like, oh, do your parents drink? Oh, yeah, they drink. You know, oh, well, how often? <laughs> Every day. You know, but they drink wine and beer that cost a lot of money. And somehow that makes it not alcoholism. You know what I mean? So I'm thank you for shaking your heads. You know what I mean? It's like, and also the story in our house was alcoholics were at a train track with a bag and some bottle in there. Those were alcoholics. We aren't alcoholics. We're foodies, you know? So anyway, I'm getting too much into this part. But that's... But that is what happened. And so the grace is, is that this is, again, the Socrates part, is how did I end up in a therapy, in a couple's counseling, where basically we're here, we didn't know it at the time, so that we can break up civilly. You know what I mean? Uh, How did I lose this? Like, I love this person. At the time, it was a woman. My second love in my life was a man. I may be back to women. Whatever. Sidebar. (laughs) You know. You know, I know. I'm sorry. That's, we'll do that another Saturday. Okay? But anyway, but it was honestly like, how how, how did I end up here? And because of this therapist, I ended up in ACOA. And then I was pissed because I realized I wasn't the problem. It wasn't that I didn't work hard enough, I wasn't smart enough, I wasn't whatever. I, I, now I'm pissed. And, uh, and so thus begins the discovery moment. Meanwhile, and this is why I'm here, and I kind of don't want to, is how I survived was food. And let me explain how that works. I'm in a four family, there are four of us. I got a mom and a dad, a mom who, you know, is exercise bulimic but alcoholic. She's all about, like, making sure she looks good for her husband and for the neighbors. My, my dad is all about the looking good. He's, you know, alcoholic, work addict. He's all about, like, money, making success. My brother is ADD, out of control. My mom, and we're 11 years apart, you know, so I'm the built-in babysitter. So it's not about what's going on in my life. It's about, Nick, watch your brother. You know what I mean? Where's your brother? And then, you know, so, and my brother's out of control. And then at very young, he starts to, now I'm already out of house. But basically, I'm the designated driver in this family. You know what I mean? So I want to be drunk, but only from the neck down. So I need to emotionally dissociate. And how do I do that? I do that with sugar. And I do that with carbs, and I do that with food. And I also do it by gaining, at the time, a lot of weight. Because my dad weighed 185, and he postured. And the first time he did it, some part of my brain was like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to defend myself against my dad. And some part of me was like, 185. Also, when puberty hit, I'm like, time the fuck out. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm barely keeping this... You know, I can't do this. And so desexualizing the body. Like, no. I need to take up a lot of space here. Um, So that's the double winner part. So 93, I go into ACOA. I start to uncover my story. Um, There's another 12-step program in there. And then I get 12-stepped into OA. And I'm like, I couldn't believe it. I had no idea this was a thing. You know what I mean? I had no idea this was a thing. Crazy. Now, my dad's alcoholism was 
Like if I describe like my relationship with my mom and my dad, and they're both alcoholic, I'm ACOA. My dad is, where the fuck are you? You've left me alone with a crazy person. You know what I mean? Where are you? When you're here, even though I get ignored, she focuses on you and she leaves me the fuck alone. You know what I mean? Dad, I need you to step in and do something. You know, do something. You want to you call yourself the king of the family. You know what I mean? Well, take some fucking ownership over here. You know what I mean? So he's gone. While he's gone, my mom's alcoholism is she's actually got codependent personality disorder. She cannot do fucking anything without asking me for help. The phrase, Nick, I need some help, is something that was like, so my mom's alcoholism is get off me. Get off me. And she wants to be my best friend. I'm like, I have a best friend. She wants to be my, she would say, I don't want to be your mom. I want to be your sister. I want to be, I'm like, bitch, I need a mother. You know what I mean? I'm like out here in the, I'm trying to learn how to do life. Like you're not helping me. You're not helping me. And you're, I hate to say this, but, and you're a succubus. Like when you see me, it's about what you need from me or what you want from me. So now I'm like, I don't want to be with you. You know, so that's what I grew up with, and that's the legacy that I came out into the world with. Where am I at on time? Because I really want to get to these nuggets here. 11 minutes. 11 minutes. Okay. So here's what we've got. I'm going to break this down. We've got four. I'm not going to focus on my brother. He has taken alcoholism in our family to a whole new level. I mean, he's... And, and I get to be like, in, and here's the thing. I used to be so jealous by how involved my parents were in my brother's life. But you've got me neglected, but I'm here. And you've got him where they were like spoiling him and whatever. He's in fucking jail. I'm like, okay, all right, maybe I'm not that jealous anymore. <laughs> Seriously. I'm like, okay, maybe if, you know, if I was going to get one or the other... I'm here. So what we've got is a family of, and this is one of the phrase, I want to escape the present moment. That's what we're all doing. We're all like, I'm in shame and I'm in fear. And I cannot take this moment. And so I am like, you know, I, and, and again, I've also got the hero child. My favorite thing to put on in the morning is my cape. And so my recovery is to make sure my cape doesn't start twitching. If I feel my cape capes start twitching, I have to start working my program. But anyway, I want to escape the present moment. What do I do? I go into school. I work. I, you know, I miss anything. I make you, like, what are you doing? What are you doing? That's how I qualify for Al-Anon, too. My mom, she wants to escape the present moment. She focuses on my dad. What's he doing? What's he doing? You know what I mean? What's my body doing? What's my exercise? My dad wants to escape the present moment. He drinks. Oh, and when she, my dad's not there and she's left, she drinks. I mean, again, we're all just wanting to escape the present moment. This is why alcoholism is a family disease. No one gets out alive. You don't come from a family system of alcoholism and it's like they're alcoholics and we're all normal. That's like being raised in Hiroshima, you know what I mean, or a concentration camp and saying, yeah, but I wasn't Jewish, but I wasn't Japanese. It's like, no, you're part of this sick family system. 
Everyone is trying to escape the present moment. So part of my recovery was owning that. You know what I mean? That we don't say it here because we're not allowed, but the Al-Anonism. You know what I mean? There's alcoholism and there's Al-Anonism, which is that we absorb the characteristics of alcoholism without taking a drink. I will escape the present moment by making you my problem, you know, by rescuing you or by trying to fix you or whatever, whatever it is. Now, the way that I also can do that is, for me, is I'm just like, I'm also going to eat a lot so that I don't have to feel and then make you. So now I'm living in my head and now I'm problem solving the entire audience. You know what I mean? Like, who needs some help right now? You know what I mean? Like, so how am I on time? We are just at 14.30. What does that mean? 10 minutes? 10 minutes. Okay, 10 minutes. Okay, so that's my problem. Step one, what am I powerless over? I am powerless over wanting to escape the present moment. I am powerless over growing up in an alcoholic home. I am powerless over the effects of alcoholism. And also, I want to say, you do not originate alcoholism. You inherit it. It is a family disease. You did not inflict. You passed on. That's the pain. And there's a lot of grieving in ACOA. That's my problem. I am powerless over the effects of growing up in an alcoholic family and my life is not what I want it to be, despite my best efforts. I couldn't understand unmanageable because I manage things very well. I'm a hyper manager, hyper organizer. I get paid a lot of money for those skills, which are great. So I had to rewrite that. I had to get myself. So now we got into like, what's, that's my problem. What's the solution? Phrase number two, you engage in the process of recovery. Assume the steps work. Just assume it. There's your step two and three right there. Don't overthink it. You know what I mean? You engage in the process of recovery. Step one, my, um, I'm powerless over alcoholism and my life is not what I want it to be despite my best efforts. So I take each step and I'm like, I'm going to assume this is true. How do I take this sentence that has all of these concepts that I don't agree with you know, or that, or whatever, how do I just strip that away to its core, to its essence, and own it and make it mine? That's, that's my work right there. But I got to take each one of these fucking steps and make them mine. And here's why. In 1993, when I figured this out, I, and I understood what was happening, what I understood at 23 years old was that my life was unfolding before me. And I looked at every single member of my family And I asked myself, do I want any one of their lives? And the answer was no. And I realized that that's what I was sentenced to have. 12-step didn't promise me anything other than something different than that. And I was willing to do the work and I worked very hard, you know, a little bit too much. That's where the workaholism actually worked for me. I fucking worked this program consistently. I was like desperate. Like, give me everything you've got. I started reading books that didn't have any. I mean, I just like went full on academic on it, as you can tell. 
to, came to believe in a power greater than ourselves that could restore me to sanity. I'm, I'm, I don't believe in monotheism. I'm not, I don't believe in ethical deities. That's not my thing. You know what I mean? But I believe in something beautiful and I believe in something mysterious. Period. End of sentence. I don't need to take it any further for the purpose of this program. Now, if I want to take it further, I can take it further out there. But for me, I'll start getting into theological debates. And that becomes a gap between me and step two and step three. I can't afford it. I'm saving you a lot of blood. This has taken a lot of time. I did not come in here and be like, oh, you know what I mean? (laughs) I came down yesterday. Let me share with you. You know what I mean? No. So I have to take anything that separates me from each step and bring it as close as possible. So what I believe in and my hope is the process of recovery. I come into meetings and I hear people like me with time. And it's not just what they're saying. There's just something about them I don't have to understand. You know, that I'm like, I want what you want. I don't want all that you have, but there's something I want from you. And there's something I want from you. And there's something I want from you. So I have to engage in the process of recovery, which means that the, the, the cure for shame is empathy. And where am I going to get empathy? I have to get empathy from people who identify with my shame, which means that I have to be in a place where I reveal my shame and other people safely identify. It's what's happening right now. So I have to go to meetings. Step three is, is that I will do this thing. I will do it. Give me a sponsor. Give me whatever. I will do it. Literature, meetings, step works. You know, service is part of it. All of it. I'm like, right, what is it? Give me the, let me do it. I'll do it all. That's where I can use my whole doer to my benefit. Now, so engage. I'm not going to go through all the steps. I think I made that. What do I live with today? Here's what Al-Anon teach me. ACO, ACO, and I want to thank this, this meeting because um, I've come here to accept my ACOA coins in this meeting. This meeting is Al-Anon, but it's ACOA focused, and I've, I've blurred the boundaries there, and you've been very gracious, and I, I, I will probably keep doing that, So just so you know. Um, so I have 2,000 years in Al-Anon only, and then 1993 in ACOA. Um, Al-Anon teaches me how to love under battlefield conditions. That's what Al-Anon teaches me. Al-Anon is about my present-day relationships. Things that are affecting me right now. Otherwise, I wouldn't be. ACOA is like, how did I get here? How did I get to where I'm in an Al-Anon meeting? How did I get to where I'm in a relationship with an addict or an alcoholic? How did I get to where my boss is a tyrannical, seems bipolar, mentally ill, controlling freak? How How am I attracting these people? You know what I mean? So that's the ACOA piece. Here's, now in Al-Anon, it's like, you know, Al-Anon doesn't tell you whether to leave the job or, you know, divorce the person or whatever. Here's something my sponsor taught me. Are you getting enough of the good stuff? The battles are going to come. The battles are going to come. You know what I mean? That's where we are. We're in places where battles happen. 
Are you getting enough of the good stuff to make the battles worth it? So that's a question I ask myself a lot. Now I'm going to end with, I, didn't, I, I wasn't going to put this in my talk, but when I got asked what people don't know about me, something I was, at first I told her, I said, I, I, I can't think of anything. Then we went on, and I thought, oh, I know. I bet you people don't know that I've listened to Harry Potter so many times I've lost track. All right, here we go. I want to escape the present moment. It's only in the present moment that I can offer true connection. And what is true connection? True connection is love. Now, there are all different ways that we call it Gaia love or Eros love or whatever, but true connection is love. Disconnection is fear. Well, if you take those analogies and take them apart, what do you got? You got fucking Dumbledore's army and you've got Death Eaters, right? When I was going through a horrible, horrible time, you know, I had 13 years, lightning struck, health issues, which I'm hoping I can stay for the whole meet. We'll see everything. I discovered Harry Potter. I couldn't watch anything because I was so sensitive. And I started reading that book. And where am I at? You have seven more minutes. Seven more minutes? Really? Okay. <laughs> wow. No, no, excuse me, five. Five, okay. All right. I was like, what? That's okay. You're fine. You're great. You're, you're doing great, honey, because without you, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be doing this at all. So there I am. I have 13 years, and I'm like, no, this is for people with time. 13 years, I expected to be at the promised land. I was like, I worked my ass off. I sacrificed my 20s. All my friends were going out, drinking, doing all this stuff and every whatever. I was at a meeting. You know, I went through periods of not having any friends. That might happen in the process of recovery because the friends that I had, I was losing tolerance for. And I hadn't yet built up new friends. So... You know, in 1996, when my sobriety, and by that I mean abstinence, I don't drink, but I don't drink because of the sugar. You know, there's a research out there that alcoholism and sugar addiction um, come from the same thing. I am definitely, like, how I can go to, oh, and by the way, it is part of the Al-Anon program to go to open AA meetings. It's where we stop villainizing alcoholics. And we start humanizing them. I could not stop villainizing my parents. But what happened was, is I was going to open AA meetings. And sure enough, different times, one woman got up and told her story, and it was my mom. I would not have been able to have any empathy if my mom was up there. You know, I would have been thinking about all the things she isn't telling you. You know, same thing with my dad. So that's part of, but the... But sugar and, and food is everything is where I can identify with having my own um, disease. So I'm sober, whatever. I've, I was going to do my own business. Everything lightning fucking strikes. I get sick. I have trauma memories come up that I didn't know I had. That was a reward of recovery, which actually it is a reward of recovery. Because anything that gets between you and your capacity to love... If you keep working this program, eventually you're going to have to deal with it. 
And, um, and I was devastated. I was in the rooms, and there were people, I have three years, my life is great. I'm just like, yeah, let me, yeah, I got my eye on you. I'll, you know, let's, you know, let's see how this goes. And, um, and I was angry. And this is part of also why I had to do, I had to redo step two, you know, because I was so angry at God. And this is where I discovered Harry Potter. Because I couldn't, because of what was going on for me with the illness and the trauma memories and the devastation and the overwhelm and light was bothering me and sounds were too, whatever, the only thing I started to be able to read or pay attention was children's stuff. I was like, I, you know, fortunately I love animation and so I got it. So I started going through children's books like, oh, I hadn't read Secret Garden, oh, whatever. And, uh, and so I started reading Harry Potter and um, which before that, by the way, I was like, it's a kid's book. I'm not going to read that book. Um, that was my attitude before, but now I'm like, whatever. So I start reading it, and I could not stop reading this book. And here's why. So I'm going to break this down for you. I actually give this as an unofficial assignment to my sponsees, you know? And I don't follow them up with it. I'm just like, let me just share. You want to know how I got here? I, I give them the steps, and then I'm like, and here's some, you know, recommended reading. You know, all this, whether it's like, you know, Dance with Anger, Esther Lerner, or Harry Potter, you know. Uh, his, so Harry Potter, if you don't know the story, it's fine. His parents were taken from him. Alcoholism. My parents were taken from me. He was raised with neglect and exploitation. He was 12-stepped into Hogwarts. <laughs> he was re-socialized by people who care it was new to him I was, I was reading this I had no idea that this is how friends were supposed to act with each other I re- it was really like watching child development and I was like be crying on the phone with my therapist going I, you know, like there's one point in the story where he and his best friend get in a fight and I was, I was stunned that his best friend didn't start like lambasting him and, and betraying him and what, I mean, that's what I expect people to do because I come from alcoholism, you know, is that you will discharge your shame on anyone around you who threatens you. So this was an opportunity to watch like, well-adjusted child development. Um, He learns he has to face the darkest wizard. I learned that I had to face living with the legacy of alcoholism. And there's no escape. We don't get out. No one gets out. We have to learn how to live with battlefield conditions. We do not get a cure here. He thinks the answer is to have more power over abilities. So there's power over, which is what a lot of people out there want to do who have a lot of power. So they want to have power over you. And then there's power with. And that's what we do here. He learns his greatest power is his ability to love. He thinks Dumbledore is going to teach who's the greatest wizard that only Voldemort is afraid of. He thinks Dumbledore is going to teach him like all these mad skills. That's not what Dumbledore is going to teach him. Dumbledore is going to teach him empathy 
and that his greatest power is his ability to love. And that, and this is specific in the book, and that as a child who had his family killed and was raised with such horrendous foster parent or aunt and uncle, who whatever, that he can still love, love his friends, love his school, love whatever, and that that is the greatest thing he will ever be able to do. And that is the greatest thing that we will ever be able to do, is that despite all that has happened, we can create loving connection to ourselves and to our families and to our friends and to our community. I'm going to finish with this. He does nothing alone. Help always comes, and it came from one of the people he hated the most. You never know, but help will always come. If you are in the love team, if you are connected, you are connected. You are connected. You don't as, just stay connected. Just stay connected. It will come. It may not look the way you want it to look. You know, and this is the whole surrender. You know what? You want a third step prayer? Every morning, wake up and just say, whatever. <laughs> just be like, I'm good. I'm good. Whatever. Whatever. I'm going to show up for it. You know? Now, here's his final reward. And this is from J.K. Rowling. She, this was in an interview. It's not in the book. The reward that Harry Potter gets for the burden that he had and that he had to carry is that he gets to lead a quiet life. That's the reward that he gets. And for those of us who are adults, we understand that. You know what I mean? And I'll, I'll, I'll tag onto this that there are two people that I highly recommend that you find out about. And they're big teachers in Al-Anon and ACOA. Father Tom and his sponsor, Father Terry. Father Tom, if I say anything wise, it's because I brainwashed myself with these two people. Father Tom is the extrovert. Father Terry is his sponsor. And he's the introvert. I think it's inner light productions. Knock yourselves out. Father Tom says... You know, he tells the story, someone says, what's God's will for me? Or I think it's Father Terry, one of them. They, Father Tom quotes Father Terry, you know. He said, it's God's will for you to have a life. Is it the red one? Is it the blue one? Who cares? Pick one. It's God's will for you to have a life. Engage. We engage in the process of recovery. And when we engage in the process of recovery, we develop the skills and we do the healing so that we can start to go and engage a little bit more out in the world. Just a little bit. And we do that and then we engage more and we engage more and we engage more. And our life doesn't necessarily get bigger, but it gets richer. And that's the gift of recovery. So thank you for letting me share.